0: Welcome to the Calvary St. George's Sermon Podcast, proclaiming the historic faith of Christ and Him crucified. These podcasts are recorded and produced by the Parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. For more information, head to calvarystgeorge.org. Just really quick, a brief word on uh, Proverbs 31, Um, beyond being a description of Melina, my wife, um, it... (laughs) Um, it is, uh, it's a, it's a very powerful passage and, uh, but can be confusing, uh, for a lot of folks. And, uh. I remember when uh, Malene, when I was in seminary, Melina and I went and visited a friend, and she had this entire passage uh, printed out and plastered, uh, plastered all over all over her walls in her apartment, and it was a little scary. But uh, um, uh, what uh, it is about, on a profound level, and what the early church fathers and um, even what Jewish interpreters have interpreted it as Jewish interpreters interpreted it as um, this is Israel and uh, Israel in in her most perfect state, and uh, as the, as the wife of God, the bride. Of of God. And uh, and the fathers interpreted this as, um, and even the reformers have interpreted Proverbs 31 as a, as a profound uh, picture of the church in her sanctified and justified state. And, um, and so, uh, but that's, it's an interesting time of the year in the lectionary because we move, we have Proverbs and we have James. And both are really epistles of advice. And you have to really dig deep, and the preacher has to dig deep to um, articulate and proclaim the gospel. Uh, the Epistle of James is a very interesting one, and I want to build a little bit off of Jay's amazing sermon on it two weeks ago, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I want to encourage you to go home and uh, uh, download it onto your um, iPhone and uh, and take a listen to it, because it was a really good exposition on the, God, on the Epistle of James. But James, I want to build on that, because James was written to the uh, very early church. As chapter 1 tells us, his audience were Jewish converts to Christianity who were dealing with all sorts of issues in their community, like partiality, gossip, quarrels, and fights sounds a lot like the U.S. government right now, but, uh, um, the, but, but, but James is extremely relevant for us today, uh, and, and, and he's relevant because he articulates how we approach and how we should approach these same divisions in our own lives and in our own communities, especially the church. But during James's time, what you had was this kind of perfect storm of the Peace of Rome, the Pax Romana, and the Jewish, Jewish diaspora. And, uh, and this led to a large influx of both converts to Judaism, Gentile converts to Judaism, and then also Hellenized Jews coming together. And these people, when they came to Palestine, they brought with them their cultures and customs, which would have been foreign in many cases to the Jews living in Palestine, and actually very offensive to that Jewish community. And this would have sparked tremendous conflict within that community, and you can actually read about that, those conflicts um, in the synagogues in the early church in the book of Acts chapter 16. Um, or Acts, Acts chapter 6, and what you saw was is that the Hellenized uh, Jewish widows were not receiving the same treatment as the Palestinian Jewish widows. And the apostles, in wisdom, created the order of the deacon. They created the diaconate to help solve this problem within the church. But there was a lot of conflict as these cultures kind of came together. And you see that whenever kind of uh, competing cultures come together, there's always conflict. And the church is not exempt from it. And James tells us that at the heart of our division, one of the things that he articulates is at the heart of our division is this concept of wisdom. Wisdom. And you have false wisdom versus true wisdom, wisdom from below versus wisdom from above. So James opens up our reading today by asking, "Who is wise and understanding among you? Show by your good life that your works are done with gentleness, born of wisdom." The distinction between false and true wisdom, the way it plays out, it's very subtle, and you can see that our actions do not um, our actions demonstrate the wisdom that's at our heart, not the other way around. But it's very subtle the difference between false wisdom and uh, and uh, and true wisdom. False wisdom can carry on and sustain a community for a season, but it enables that community to bury their problems or put them on hold. You see, the key element with false wisdom is it always comes with a human agenda. And a church led by false wisdom, what it does is that it creates peacekeepers within her ranks. These are folks who will enact great compromises, especially with the world, in order to maintain the facade and the stable community. However, this false wisdom, the problem with it, while it looks really nice and and great at first, it cannot convert the human heart. And when cracks begin to emerge within this community, it begins to show peacekeepers what they actually are. And they quickly become dictators. They quickly become tyrants. Peacekeepers can quickly abandon the situation in pursuit of their own agenda. Biblical scholar Douglas Moo, in his commentary on the book of James, makes this point. He says this is exactly what was happening in this Judean church. The leaders of the Judean church, he says, were using abusive speech in pursuit of their theological agenda. And as a consequence, the church began to split into various factions. Hence, James refers to this wisdom as earthly, unspiritual, and devilish. And this is my first point. When James speaks of true wisdom, what is he speaking about? He's not speaking about something you'd find in Oprah that's very helpful. What he is speaking about is the wisdom from above. What he is speaking about here is the gospel. He's speaking of Jesus Christ. The wisdom that came down not as a peacekeeper, but the wisdom that came down as a peacemaker. Who bought, through the shedding of his blood, peace between us and God the Father the faith that you have been given by the great peacemaker, the faith that you have been given in Jesus and in his work for you, which credits you as sinless and holy in God's sight, and as a result has brought you eternal peace between you and God the Father, that's God's agenda. And because we have been served so perfectly by a marvelous Savior. We no longer need to demand our way. This is the thing that the disciples are fighting about when Jesus comes in. He says, what are you guys fighting about? They weren't fighting. It wasn't like John and Peter were like, I'm going to be the Pope. No, I'm going to be the Pope. Like, that's not what they were fighting about. What they were fighting about was the little things that we try and find our justification in. I did the dishes. Well, I cleaned the bedroom. I did this. I did that. You know, these little things that we use to boast ourselves up. And because, though, we have been given wisdom from above, we don't need to take credit for stuff. Because we have been given wisdom from above, we don't need to consume the biggest piece of pie. The selfishness expressed by the fights and the feuds we have at work and at home, because of true wisdom, because of the peacemaker, they can be, they are settled, and they are redeemed. We can let go. And this is my second point. Jesus, the gospel, is wisdom from above. And it is pure It is peaceable, it is gentle, it's willing to yield, full of mercy, and producing good fruits in your life, without a trace, as James says, of partiality and hypocrisy. And it oftentimes manifests itself in our life for about 40 seconds, and when it happens you don't see it, but others do, and it makes a massive difference. And you see, whether you know it or not, now you are the harvest of righteousness that he reaps. To know true wisdom is to know not a peacekeeper, but the only peacemaker. And never forget this gospel truth. Because of this true wisdom, we are righteous, right in our thoughts words and actions, not by virtue of the fact that we actually are, but by the virtue of the fact that God declares us to be so. He declares us to be righteous for the sake of Jesus, because of his perfect life and innocent death in our place. However, there's a misnomer out there that somehow, because I'm a Christian, things all of a sudden should be different. And while they are in one sense, never forget in this age, the struggle is real between false wisdom and true wisdom. These two things exist together at the same exact time. Never forget the struggle is real between your agenda and God's agenda. Never forget, I love this, this, this way of putting it, humans are sinners. Sinners. Christians are humans, therefore Christians are sinners as well. And hence we still fight with our spouse. Hence our kids don't listen to you. Hence you see your kids as an extension of yourself. And hence you are dissatisfied at work, you are dissatisfied with all sorts of things. This is what it is to be a human, even as a Christian. And in James chapter 4, so part of our reading is 3 and it moves into 4. In James chapter 4, the apostle delivers the hammer of the law and calls out what we harvested in peace will be doing in about 20 minutes after church, conflicting and disputing with ourselves and our neighbors. And he writes, you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly in order to spend what you get on your pleasures. A.K.A., as people harvested in peace, you will rest your life still, there's a part of you that will rest it on false wisdom, on the gods that you have fashioned in your own image. You will rest it on your agenda, and that's going to dominate once again. And then St. James, he goes in for the kill, and he delivers the heaviest part of chapter 4, and indeed his entire epistle. And unfortunately, the lectionary has cut that out. This may be a bit dramatic, but when I was preparing for this sermon, I was really frustrated when I saw this. Because essentially, cutting this next section out of James is like watching the edited version of Deadpool 2 on an airplane. Now, um, as your pastor, I don't recommend you ever watch Deadpool 2. However, if you do, uh, definitely don't watch it on an airplane. Because the censored version is a disaster. And you miss the punch of the character of Deadpool. Just like you miss the punch of James chapter 4. James literally writes the section that's cut out. Adulterers, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you suppose that it is for nothing that the scriptures say God yearns jealousy for the spirit that he has made to dwell in us? But God... This is at this moment where James delivers true wisdom again. He says this, and this is key to the whole passage in understanding what the very last line in our epistle is about. He says, God gives all the more grace. All the more grace. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And that's what we do here. We receive his grace. Friendship with the world is thinking that as a Christian, I move beyond the cross. So often friendship with the world, which is the fruit of false wisdom, is believing that somehow, some way, I'm better, I'm right, I have it all together. But this is why we are here. God continues to give grace, and we continue to receive that grace. this is my third point. We receive that grace in the words of a sermon that let us know who we actually are and how much God has forgiven us in his son Jesus. We receive that grace in tangible means, in bread and wine. And as we receive that grace, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we continue to submit, therefore, to God. We continue to resist the devil And draw near to God, because true wisdom reminds us that Jesus has already done it first for you, already. Amen. Thank you for listening to our sermon podcast, produced and recorded at the parish of Calvary St. George's in the city of New York. If you feel led to support the continuing ministry of the parish, you can make an online donation at calvarystgeorges.org slash giving. Thank you.